look at the time here. Well, it's probably the time where you are as well. It is Thursday. It's the 4th of January. It's the beginning of 2024. It's just gone 8pm here in the UK, 3pm US Eastern Time. This is Paul English Live here on WBN 324. Are you girding your loins for the year? Or is it gridding your lions? Something like that. I've had a technical day of madness today. I'm going to be talking all about it for the next two hours. It's going to be pretty grim listening for most of you. That's only a joke, by the way. Actually, might not be. Do you ever have those days where lots and lots and lots and lots of things go wrong? I've had one of those days. Doesn't seem right to me. If you like to hear about someone having their technical trousers on fire, this is the show for you. back everyone <laughs> um i don't want to bang on too much about things do i but i probably uh, i probably am going to bang on about a few things now last week of course was uh, there were just so many people here it was wonderful actually and today at the moment although it might change it's the complete opposite and um i did have um a schedule for today which was included uh, getting ready for the show um you know show prep that kind of thing and, um, oh, just a minute, let me just do something. Somebody's coming to my rescue. Paul, are you there? <laughs> oh, well, he's just connected anyway. So uh, not to worry about that. Paul will probably pop in at some point. Yes, uh, of course I'm here. Oh, hello. Good morning. Hello. Ooh. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. No, it's good evening here, <clears> so it's good to have you. <laughs> it's good to have yeah. you. I, I've got quite I'm a technical tirade. I, I made it. <laughs> uh, it's fantastic that you're here. 
Um, let me just, I'm just going to do an opening little bit here and then we'll, we'll, we'll get dialoguing. Okay. But if you just, uh, let me just ease my way into this cause I've got a few things to say and then we can carry on that kind of exo- uh, that exhausting and wonderful conversation. We started on Monday that the listeners will get clued in as we go, but I'll just talk for a little while, Paul. Good to have you here. I'll be, we'll hook you up again in a few minutes time. So where was I? Ah, yes. In England. Um, so if you've been in England today, um, Mm. All right, fantastic. Everybody's saying lovely things to me. I love all you people in the Rumble chats. Fantastic. So let's do a bit of the old station ID thing. I'm all over the shop today. Believe you me, it's been, <laughs> it's been quite a day. Um, so uh, we're here on WBN324. We're here every week. This is Paul English Live. You can get all the information about the show at paulenglishlive.com. You can now, but a few hours ago, you couldn't get diddly squat. How about that? So, um, uh, yeah, I want to I talk about my technical firefighting today. Uh, of course, some of you are here for the melee w- that was the echo from hell about two or three weeks ago. And I think I may, I may have mentioned... Uh, that there were three echoes at the time. If I haven't, look at me going on about it. I've got to get this off my chest because at the beginning of 2024, we can get it right out of the way and uh, we can plough into other things. But uh, yeah, there were three echoes for that show. What was it, 16? This is number 18. So look at that. We're into nearly five months up. Unbelievable. And um, yeah, there were three echoes. So one of the problems, the reason why it took 45 minutes for me to solve it is that every time I actually solved one, there were still two left, which led me to believe that I hadn't solved solved it. Anyway, I'm sure you're all thrilled to hear about that stuff. Now today, let's just go through this little quip I made about the website. So paulenglishlive.com is a, is a very minimalist site, any of you that have been there will see, and it's going to stay that way because uh, we don't need too much stuff going on. But um, uh, one of the links I would like to bring to your attention is the Telegram group. It's growing. There's about 40 or 50 people in there now. It's growing all the time. And people are actually talking when I'm not there. Outrageous. They're saying things and communicating. And there's been some good stuff recently. Um, But um, yeah, what happened was, do you know about security certificates on websites? It's called HTTPS. It's a rather tedious thing in a way, and it's so that you feel safe. Remember all this malarkey about feeling safe? There's actually, of course, a, a strong underlying current of control with all of this kind of stuff. But for some reason today, um, my site decided that it didn't have a certificate, which was a bit of a curio to be quite honest and i had no idea what was going on then another series of sites that i'm uh, that i lend a hand to they also suffered the same ailment running off of the same server so by gum i struggled and all of this time i would have spent this afternoon uh looking at you know um the history of uh uh, people in the Appalachian Mountains or something like that, that I was going to... Well, that was lost. My research time was lost today, but we've still got some things to talk about. And the HTTPS thing is actually going to lead in nicely to some of the things I want to talk about because it might be a bit of a technical talk today. We might be talking a, a few techie things, which I think are important to everybody, not from the point of view of, oh, let's talk about code because you don't want to be talking about that stuff. If you uh, if you want to retain your sanity, you can go a little bit funny if you spend too many too much time in that realm but uh, in the realm of free speech the whole thing about free speech and how we're going to deal with it but just back to this https thing um 
so all the certificates said, oh, we don't work anymore. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry, you probably don't need to know. But uh, it means that your site suddenly goes HTTP. Do you remember that? In the early days of the internet, all websites were just HTTP uh, before super security had been invented another, as another ruse. I mean, I think everything is almost like, a, a, you know, an enforcement racket, basically. It's a protection racket. And so <clears throat> if you were to go to the site a few hours ago, and a couple of others, which I won't mention, which were running off the same machine. Um, you got that big alarming message. This site is not safe. Maybe someone's pilfering your credit card information. You could die any moment now just by looking at this. You know the kind of crap that comes up, right? Um, and before, in the past, people didn't really worry about it too much. But um, it's part of this. I'm not against HTTPS, by the way. It's a good thing. Uh, we need to have it, and it helps, and blah, 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 blah. But it's yet another thing that can go wrong, and today it uh, today it did. So that didn't put me in too good a mood. And in fact, it only got cured. What I did was, from a technical point of view, uh, I took out a hammer and I hit it. And it turned out this is exactly what it needed. Now, what that means is I, d I shut the entire server system down, which means there was nothing there at all. It's always a dreadfully testing moment. You can see the beads of perspiration popping out, metaphorically speaking, of course, on my forehead and elsewhere. And um, fortunately, it came back. Everything was up and running. And if it hadn't been, today's show was going to be a bit of a challenge. So I was in a bit of a sweat about that. But it's all gone. So that's good. So in the, in the end, you know, if you... Uh, if you're stuck, just reboot the machine. And this seemed to clear up every single problem. Um, I'd been reassigning certificates to it for about two hours without any success. And in the end, I just went bugger it and hit it with a hammer. And it bloody worked, which was fab. Really, really good. So there you go. That's today's really uh, astute and deep-minded technical, uh, technical point for you all to bear in mind. Just hit the damn thing. Sometimes it works. Um, but coming back to this thing of, uh, of raising the bar in everything, I suppose most of you still use email. Um, I still think it's pretty neat, but I'm getting a bit vexed with it recently. I run email off of certain domain names that I set up and run myself. Um, of course, I am looking for a technical slave to do that. So if you want to apply for the post, that would be fantastic because... I've been looking at these things, I think, for a bit too long, and I, I'm going a bit funny about it. But uh, if you do run email off of your own domain or you are familiar with it, you may have noticed that the big email bully boys are beginning to say, oh, we don't accept email from at paulenglishlive.com, for example, we don't, because we, we suspect that that's naughty, or you don't meet with our new super secure standards, which we introduced 15 minutes ago, and therefore your mail couldn't get through to Bob, your great pal who you've been emailing for 45 years or whatever it is, you know, this kind of stuff. It's this creep, creep, creep. And the this really does lead into the whole sort of free speech technology direction. I think that we've got to go in for 2024. Um, they are going to keep raising what they say are the standards of security which you must achieve to be part of the greater uh, good, you see. Now, isn't this similar in many ways to the way that newspapers and other media slowly but surely, inexorably, were acquired into the same hands, who, once they'd got control of a certain number of them, began to say, well, we'll form the standards committee now. And suddenly, lots of dynamic magazines and other things which were quite viable don't meet those standards. And therefore, I'm terribly sorry, but you can't carry on publishing because, you know, you're saying naughty things. It's this creep, 
creep, creep. And of course, the whole direction of it is an ever-increasing and ever-escalating uh, degree of control into ever fewer hands. And that dynamic is not just here, but it, as I said, it was in and still is in the media space. It's definitely in the banking space, which, of course, I talk about. Actually, I haven't talked about it for months now, but don't worry, I don't think it's going to be a banking night. Well, it'll probably, it'll probably make an appearance every now and again. Um, but that kind of approach is literally uh, shutting down the, the dynamic, the kind of Wild West, as they called it, of the internet, which wasn't wild at all. I mean, I don't, I don't know why people even say that. It was extremely lively and tremendous. And nobody had turned up yet and become the self-appointed referee of, of security standards. But, of course, there's no end to security standards. And the thing is, do you want these people to continue to make you safe? I'm not really interested. This is that thing I say, this psychological dynamic of, don't worry, I'm here to protect you. Um, maybe it's okay at the beginning, but of course, that's the beginning of the slippery slope, isn't it? It really is the beginning of the slippery slope. So I've had a day of dealing with really tiresome things like that. Um, and um, maybe you have days like that too right? Uh, I'm seeing people here comment about MailChimp and stuff like that. I mean, really, I haven't covered technology much at all in these things, and yet it's massively important to us. I think the structure of the alternative media is, to a great degree, still pretty vulnerable. I think we've got to say that. It's possible, just like I was talking earlier about taking a hammer, you know, to the server. Believe you me, it's very simple for the other side to do things like that. If there's one point in it, all they have to do is break a line and the stream stops. Now, Rumble are letting us stream here, and this is a reasonably civilised, well-mannered show, I think, but you never can tell. I only have to mention donuts or something like that, and poof, the account could go. It all depends what's what's not flavour of the month, and if you touch upon it, you're in, you're in deep trouble, lad. You know, it's going to go. Um, but uh, moving into this space and looking at this sort of fragile line, the question is, are there alternatives? And there are. There are alternatives. In fact, I'm involved in looking at some. We're going to talk about it a bit tonight here. Um, but what I would like to repeat again is um, a happy and prosperous new year to all of you and to your loved ones, wherever you may be, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, intellectually, whatever condition you're in, I hope it turns out to be happy. And um, I've actually been quite happy since last week's show um, and during the whole Christmas week, which is uh, rather a an interesting and refreshing experience to get back to. Not that I'm miserable. Maybe you're not miserable, but you know what I mean. That that sort of cloud of concern about all the guff in the world no doubt rolls over you on a regular basis. It does with me. Um, I think if you're conscious, you should take it as a good sign. It means you're awake and paying attention to things. But um, I... Uh, I haven't done any New Year's revolutions. I don't know if you've done any. Uh, I've just got this urge to tidy up every area of my life, which is quite interesting, the amount of trouble I've had today. One of the comments I was speaking to someone a little bit earlier when this was going on, and it's a bit like, you know, if you make a decision to move forward with a few things and then you, everything starts to change, you know, nothing's satisfactory anymore. I've got to redo the kitchen and this is going to be... I'm kind of in that kind of space at the moment. And uh, bits start to fly off. Technology begins to betray you. It won't, it won't behave properly. You ever have periods like that? It's like a wall of energy builds up around you. And uh, that, kind of, that kind of thing. Anyway, earlier this week, where are we now? We're on uh, Thursday, aren't we? Earlier this week, um, 
I was invited by um, another Paul who's here with me in the studio. He's about to start speaking any second now when I when I let him. And uh, Paul kindly invited me onto a free-for-all show on Monday earlier this week, which I didn't sort of relay through here because it was really loose as a goose. And uh, those are really good shows, actually, a lot of fun. But we got touching on certain aspects of technology, on peer-to-peer networks, on freedom of speech issues. And to a great degree, I want to kind of carry that on here tonight. And your comments in Rumble uh, will be part of the conversation. So type away. I'm looking at them all the time. Paul. I'm going to do it to you. Happy New Year to you, sir. Welcome welcome back into this space. <laughs> <laughs> Happy New Year. Can you hear me now? I yeah. had I had a like a I had a horrible, horrible bandwidth latency issues. I, I had you? to shut down like a half a dozen things on my computer. I'm thinking you're talking about technical trousers, yeah. and mine were literally on fire while you were calling me into the show. <laughs> and I'm going, okay, yeah, this is going to be really good. This is this this is going to be really good here. Yeah. But. No, no, it's, it, <laughs> yes. I'm just I can't help. This week has just been mad for that kind of stuff. So uh, I had a. I had a web server fail. I had a radio server fail all this morning, all at the same time, for no reason whatsoever, completely disconnected as far as I was concerned. So I just rebooted the lot, like I was saying. Um, This would be about an hour ago. So I actually stopped doing that whilst trying to eat some food so that I had some energy for the show, suddenly realizing, you know, oh, oh, I can't talk about this, that, and the other. But we've got all year to go. And uh, I am planning, once I've got certain things cleared up, just to let everybody here know, I've probably uh, mentioned it a few times, I'm planning to go out more than once a week. It's really important. I think it'll get easier. I think twice a week will probably be my limit. And maybe the the next show will be about three hours or something like that, because I think there's a lot to cover and it, it keeps you rolling through. But I'm glad your trousers were on fire, Paul. I'm glad to know I'm not the only one that has that <laughs> that problem. I'm- I'm glad I was able to put them out before you called me into the show again. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying. I mean, I, I pride, use, I do, I engineer shows, and uh, I run a couple of simultaneous streams. And the only way that I'm able to do it without a complete uh, mess is mm-hmm. I have one computer that is solely dedicated to just doing that. The configuration never changes. It's never allowed to update and it's never rebooted. Well, this morning I had a huge problem accessing that computer. <laughs> so I had basically the same thing going on. <laughs> it, we was, had every- it was horrible. Yeah. I know. I don't know. I just thought, oh, you know, and you know what happens? There's a part of your mind going, oh, is this an attack? The truth is it hardly ever is. Hardly ever is. Right. Um, but it's obviously, but your mind gets fogged, particularly if you've got multiple faults at the same time. You go, oh, this is going to be a, a bit of a bugger to sort out. And I don't know about you technically. I'm pretty good at going from nothing and building something and getting it up and working. And I, and I do enjoy yeah. that process. And I suspect I'm not alone in that. Um, it's very satisfying to get a thing, you know, functioning properly, particularly to serve this space, the the, the people here, the audiences here, this type of line of communication. It's only for that. I, you know, I won't get excited about building some sort of silly website about a company or something. I mean, it's just, it's too tedious, you know. But um, for this kind of thing, it's very, very satisfying. And then when things go wrong, I had it for years. They go, we're being attacked, we're being attacked. We no, just hold on, steady, calm down, right? We're probably not being attacked. It's probably just an internal technical cock-up, courtesy 
fantasy of yours truly or whatever. And it nearly always was. You know, you just miss things. And it's only when it breaks down do you realise how bloody complex the whole thing is. You know, it, it really is. And I, I, I'm, I don't know about you, I'm laps at backups. I'm really, I'm terrible at it. And I go, oh, it'll be all right. <laughs> Actually, Paul, you've been saying it'll be all right for about eight years now. It's probably your due and it won't be all right moment. And uh, I kind of had one today, but uh, I'm breathing a sigh of relief that we're here and, pro- and, and properly up and running. So, you know, it's, it's pretty good. Um, now, yeah. you have another skill set that we're now bringing to the fore, don't you? You've got this other um, skill set that's starting to happen in our space, isn't it? <laughs> what would that be? Uh, yeah. I'm almost you, afraid to ask. Are you? No, no. I think you know what I'm, I mean. We're talking about. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> excuse me. Oh, I'm choking. Last week, I don't know whether we touched on it last week. I know. I know. I buggered up the playing of a Van Morrison song last week. Because uh, these things happen, you know, I had oh. fat, fat Christmas fingers from too much plum duff and all that kind of stuff. But um, we got talking, did we not? I don't know if we mentioned it on last week's show about the frequencies of music, the actual resonances and frequencies of music. We've been talking about that, haven't we? Uh, yes, we have been talking about that a little bit. We have, uh, and. Um, for those not in the know, although I suspect many listeners will be in the know, um, back in the 1930s here in jolly old England, in London, I think it was about 1936 or something, there was a big convention got together about tuning and frequencies, and they buggered about with a particular note, but also there was a decision made for recording frequencies that they go out at 440 hertz. Is that, I think it's 440, isn't it? Is that what it is? Yep, it's uh, A440. It's it's the the frequency of the A note, and because all of the notes are related to each additional or to every other note, then if you shift the frequency of one note, you have shifted the frequency of all of the notes. Therefore, you have shifted the tuning of the entire music. And that that's what yeah. you're getting at. Well, that's exactly what I'm getting at because you are the doctor that cures the problem, aren't you? (laughs) Well, I'm one of many. I know, but you're the one that I know. You're the one that I know, aren't you? And I I know you. I mean, I looked into this. I think there's a radio station online that's called 432 Hertz, and they've reconfigured Mm -hmm. all the 440 Hertz music to go out at 432. And there's a reason for that, isn't there, which you know about. I mean, I know about it too, but I'd like you to talk about it a little bit because you're you're the musical guy. What is it about 432 hertz, Paul, that's so cool? Well, 432 hertz is what music um, was from the beginning of time. And one of the arguments that they had for an A440 standard was that there were so many different types of tuning out there. But really, the... The only one that that was the most prolific was A432, and that's the one that the the classic pipe organs in the churches were tuned to, uh, the concertos and um, all of Bach's music, all of Beethoven, Brahms, and Chopin, they were all done in A432 tuning because that's what the instruments were tuned to. Uh, Modern modern rock and roll musicians, um, Jimi Hendrix always tuned his guitar to A432. Michael Jackson 
always produced music in A432. Right. Prince I didn't know that. Always produced music in A432. Now there's another thing that they all have in common. And what do you think that is? I don't know, Paul. What is it? They're all dead. Yes. Um, I was hoping you wouldn't bring that up, actually. <laughs> I'm, okay, I'm sorry, but... <clears throat> okay, okay. Here's, yeah. here's, my own, here's my own specific example. You know, there are a couple of uh, tuning fads out there. There's the 528 hertz love frequency. You can't see the air quotes because, of course, this is radio, but the air mm -hmm. quotes are there. There's the 528 hertz love frequency that has been promoted by David Horowitz. Now, first of all, I have a little trouble getting past the guy's name. Yes, um, that's a bit tricky. Thinking that, mm, that it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, thinking that he would come up with anything anything that was actually healthful and uplifting. Um, but then there's also a little piece of information that I know where if you have 440 hertz, 528 hertz, and 741 hertz. Now, two of those frequencies are solfeggio frequencies, so they're very likely to, uh, to happen, okay? Mm -hmm. If you have those three frequencies occurring at the same time with reasonably equal amplitude, you have something called the devil's tone or the devil's chord. Right. And it is something that basically tears at your molecular structure, it is so harmful and so damaging to the human body. So when when these guys are talking about retuning A440 to A444, which puts the middle C at 528 hertz, not the A, but the C, then what they're doing is they're increasing the likelihood that the devil's chord would exist in a song that never had it in the first place. Therefore, not only making that song better for you and healthy for you, making it worse, infinitely worse. Yeah. Now, the, my backstory is I've had Global Voice Radio Network for many, 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 many years off and on. Well, I went for two solid years playing solid music programs. And I never had to worry about anything with licensing or ASCAP or any of that stuff mm -hmm. because nobody ever bothered me because right. I was very vocal about all of my music being tuned to 528 hertz. So they left me alone. Well, guess what happened within 60 days of deciding to switch from 528 to 432? My life literally fell apart. Did it really? My life, my life literally fell apart. I was attacked from every single, every single avenue that you could possibly imagine. I wound up homeless. I lost a house. I lost six boats. I lost six cars. I lost a job. I lost a girlfriend. I lost a pet. Within 60 days of making that change, my life completely fell apart. So basically, four thirty-two hertz. Hertz is that what you're saying? It did for you. Was no, 
no, 432 hertz, 432 hertz is something that they are trying to demonize. I know, that's what, that's what I'm driving at. I'm making a, a sort of pun, a little silly joke, that if you run things at 432 hertz, it might end up hurting you in the way that you've received that sort of attention because they don't want a frequency that's actually going to not hurt people. They only want it, they want hertz to really hurt people, if you see what I'm saying. It's a bit thin, right. this, isn't it? <laughs> well, there's a reason that they call the organ an organ, okay? Because the different frequencies of the notes in an organ, a pipe organ particularly, if it's tuned to 432, there are many, many, many notes that actually are at the resonant frequency of the organs of the human body. It is a connecting and uplifting experience, listening to music that's in 432, particularly if it's on a pipe organ, particularly. Yeah. Those things are amazing aren't they? They are amazing. This is the thing about sound that's always fascinated me, is that you feel it literally physically in your body in a way that you don't with any other medium. And those old church organs, when they really let rip with them, they're absolutely, they're overpowering. I mean, they sort of bring tears to your eyes. Just, I've always been fascinated by chord progressions. I'm going, why does that one make me go, I want to go like that? And why does this one make me go, I want to, you know, smash things. It's tremendously... Uh, engaging. I mean, Plato knew the power of music and said it was a thing that you had to be very, very careful about. You know how we uh, use a bitrate here of uh, maybe 44,100 or 48,000? Is that relevant to this conversation about frequencies? No. It's not? No. No, th no, that's just the bit sample rate, the digital okay. sample rate. And, and the higher the sample rate, the better, the more accurate the representation of the sine wave because you're taking a digital pulse mm -hmm. and you're using it to recreate a, a, an analog wave. So, so it can be reproduced by a speaker. So the more samples you have, the more accurate that wave will be. Yes. But it still doesn't really matter. Um, I can, I can actually play a demo of two different, two different copies of the same song. I can do one at 440, and I can do one at 432, and it doesn't matter what you're listening to that on. You can be listening to it on a computer or a laptop with little bitty speakers. You can be listening to it on a cell phone. You can be listening to it on a Bose sound system that literally shakes the block when you turn it up. It doesn't matter. You can still not only hear, but you can feel the difference, irrespective of what electronic device is, is playing right. that sound. Mm -hmm. it's, it's amazing. It is. It's definitely amazing. And, and uh, I think we're going to play something amazing now, because you've done something very interesting to this Van Morrison track. I don't mind talking about it. Maybe I'm going to get a knock on the door from the 432 Hertz police. There's probably a division just being formed right now as we're talking about it. So what we, we're calling this a B-mix, aren't we? Is that what we're calling it? We're calling it a B-mix. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this is... Um, and uh, it's interesting that it's also a B-mix because the first uh, point of contact with this song was from Bryzer. I don't know if you're familiar with Bryzer. He's a good spokesperson from Ireland. And uh, I haven't spoken to him for a little while. He's very good friends with Shelley Tasker and, and a lot of other people he's been around. But he played this. This is from Van Morrison in 2012. I don't think we played this last week. I, in fact, I know we didn't. This is your version of Educating Archie. We're going to play that now at the bottom of the first hour and a little thing. We'll come back after this. this this runs for about five minutes, and it's a B-mix of Educating Archie. And uh, catch the lyrics if you can. Mm -hmm. 
Attention all listeners, are you seeking uninterrupted access to WBN 324 Talk Radio despite incoming censorship hurdles? Well, it's a breeze. Just grab and download Opera Browser, then type in WBN324.ZIL. And stay tuned for unfiltered discussions around the clock. That's WBN324.ZIL. The views, opinions, and content of the show hosts and their guests appearing on the World Broadcasting Network are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of its owners partners and other hosts or this network. Thank you for listening to WBN 324 Talk Radio. And uh, welcome back to the second part of the first hour of the first day of the second month of 2024 or something like that. Paul, that was a cracking bit of work. I like the idea of you supplying regularly a B-mix of certain classic songs. So, as I said, you've got a new job in town. I mean, it's, uh, it's your own fault, I'm afraid. <laughs> Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, there I go again. I know. Well, it's a good one. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the Rumble chat. Someone suggested later on that we play Dear Maker by Led Zeppelin, which we may well do. I've never... Um, in fact, some of the little songs that you might have heard in here are, are outtracks by that band, which uh, they don't really need any more exposure from the likes of me. But... Uh, um uh, yeah huge part of my life although i was talking to someone about them the other day we were talking about the beatles i was talking to dennis wise actually i don't know are you familiar with dennis do you know of him paul no not of he's the author i looked it up to make sure i was using the correct word and i am a-u-t-e-u-r the author it's that someone who makes a film such with such a distinctive personal input it's almost as if they wrote it but he's the author of several films. But the one that's uh, the one that kicked him off, as it were, into this space, is uh, the greatest story never told, which is of, about the life of Mr. Hitler, and about that period in history, which, um, of course, I come back to frequently. Uh, not necessarily so much today, but I, I will do that. So, also, just as a shout out to everybody on Rumble, if you put your song requests in, it's like an old fashioned radio show. And we've had a, a letter here from Mrs. Smeggett from Coventry, and she would like to hear this, that, and the other. So, if you've got something you want to hear, we'll, we, we'll definitely have room for another song a little bit later on. So, we'll we'll play something. Um, but yeah, Paul, I look forward to having B mixes. They're going to, it'll be known, it'll be known as a B mix. And I also thought it was quite interesting that Briser was the guy that is associated with of course his name begins with b as well doesn't it you see you can't get away from it so uh, it's all good stuff yeah fantastic um right. now this uh, freedom of speech lark and all that kind of stuff um that i was talking about a little bit earlier and uh, the decentralization of things um, one of the things that's um, I'm just echoing really what I was saying a few minutes ago uh, on the uh, on the f in the first half hour, uh, we kind of have things in lines, and it's very easy for them to take a chunk out of the line, and the whole circuit stops. That's kind of how it happens, and I think you'll probably notice not just in this space. Uh, although with networks, we, we've got all sorts of cunning ways of getting around that. Actually, they're not cunning. It's just actually unavoidable because the internet was designed, uh, as many people will know, by the uh, DARPA, the uh, US Defense Agency. Uh, the idea being that uh, when you're under a nuclear attack, which of course happens loads these days, isn't it? But when you are under one, you're looking for ways to actually get the messages through no matter what. And so the uh, the routing capabilities of the internet are designed such that you can always route traffic around a problem or a blockage in this kind of network. And uh, I've been looking at, and we've been discussing, Paul, we were discussing earlier this week, um, 
uh, a video platform that does just that. And I think mm-hmm. it holds out a great deal of possibility for us. Uh, now, as people who are listening here know, I'm not really a video guy uh, in the sense that I don't have a webcam. I've never had one, even though I've been on the net donkey's years. Um, and I, I I find it personally a bit distracting, but I'm aware that I'm in the minority, that I'm going to get beaten to death over this one because there's literally no getting away from the fact that most people just love it. In fact, I got a comment the other day from someone who was saying, I think it was Patrick who was on the show last week, he was saying that his mum listens to the radio, but she's often saying, I want to see them talking. I mean, she doesn't say it like that because she's American, so I don't know how she talks, but, you know, she wants to see people talking. I'd be interested to know, maybe in the chat, if you love to see the people talking. Do you? I mean, is the footage of the studio a good thing? Maybe it's more engaging you feel a bit more connected to the personalities behind it and doing their thing um, uh, and all that kind of stuff. Although I'm going to have to tidy my office up if I do something quite so <laughs> quite so bad as that. What's your office like, Paul? Would it be would it be a terrible disappointment to the viewers if they saw where you were sat right now, or would they be going, "Hmm, that guy's really got his act together"? What would they say? <laughs> <laughs> it would be a ter- it would be a terrible disappointment. <laughs> would it? <laughs> Would it? Yeah. <laughs> Terrible disappointment is a is a pretty apropos way of putting it. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, th- oh, I know geez. things are bad when I'm still stepping over a three foot high pile of books that have been in the doorway to my office for about three years, and I go, "Oh, I've got to move them." And I've been saying that every day. I have to come. Oh no, I can't be bothered and all this kind of stuff. So, I'm trying to shake myself out of that space, you know, and uh, and get myself sorted out a bit. But. Um, Yes. So webcams, video footage, personal connection, all that kind of stuff. Um, I'm just putting up pretty pictures at the moment. And I I really like today's pretty picture. We we always, I I spend a little time trying to find some kind of, it doesn't have to mean anything at all. But of course, it's a wintry one today because we're we're right at the start of it all. And um, as I was saying earlier, the weather here today in jolly old England has been jolly miserable. It has where I've been anyway. It's been Howling winds, cold, started off with a frost, and the rain is icy and been pelting down all day. So it's uh, it's a typical English winter day, to be quite honest, where I am. It's been it's been quite one of those things. I suppose if I got a webcam, I could stick it out the door and say, look, here's the weather to, for added atmosphere. Maybe maybe people want that sort of thing. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> oh no, oh no, you don't no, you don't want you don't want to revisit what they did on the show WKRP. Uh, Les Nessman had the eyewitness weather <laughs> and, yeah. and they asked him well what is that he says well i go out in the hallway i go to the window and i <laughs> witness the weather <laughs> and talk about it <laughs> exactly I mean, yeah it could be a hit over here I mean, it could be a massive hit, because as you know, the English always introduce themselves to another English person or whatever by talking about the weather. It's the great icebreaker, uh, which is funny, actually, because we don't get too much ice over here, but you get the idea. So it's always the thing. We always talk about the weather, and suddenly we're, we're best pals. Oh, it's raining out, isn't it? Oh, I know. Oh, it's terrible, this, and that kind of stuff. It's just that that meaningless pitter-patter of rain and pitter-patter of chat, so... Yeah, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, I'm, I, you can see I'm drifting off the point and becoming a meteorologist, which is not a good thing. But, um, yeah, decentralized networks. Um, and, of course, this is a good model, really, for thinking about a decentralized nation, because I would suggest that the centralization of power is one of the great aspects of the problem that we face. Um, you know, a supposed centralized government and central bank realistically, um, it doesn't take a genius to look at this. You only have to scratch the surface a bit. It's not done a great 
favour to most of the countries in which they've got established. In fact, they progressively increase in control as the welfare of the people around them decreases. So that's their model, you know, to go to the top. But peer-to-peer networks are quite interesting, aren't they? And um, I've been part of a little guinea pig team. Uh, In fact, I'm even testing this stream off on a platform right now. I'm not going to tell you where it is because it still keeps falling down and doing things technically. So it's supposed to do that when you're testing things. So it's doing doing all the right things by breaking. Mm-hmm. But um, it's going well. It's better. It's in better shape today than it was last week, and it's getting very close. And we have to find a way, don't we, to to make sure that these sorts of communications can carry on. And here, here I am with this show. We're going out over some independent radio networks. We're going out over WBN. There's Global Voice Network, yours, which you're picking up the the stream, which is fantastic. It goes out over SpeakFreeRadio.com. Uh, it goes out of a Eurofolk radio and possibly a few others. If anybody's picking it up and restreaming it, let me know and I'll give you a shout out. Um, uh, although it's still relatively early days for this show, so that's not going to be there's not going to be a big rush for that sort of thing just yet. But if we can decentralise, um, and this has always been there's been a lot of talk about this for many years, um, but we're getting to the point now where it really is viable, and um, I'm. Personally, this is part of my optimism and buoyancy for 2024. I know it's childish on one level. You say, well, it's only about a technical thing. But it's, uh, it's the, if you get a severing in the line of these technical things, everything stops. It's that powerful. Mm-hmm. And um, you'd know that as well from your, your involvement with radio situations because uh, that's, that's what happens when everybody starts pulling what little hair they've got left out because they, they suddenly find that the signal's broken for whatever reason, yeah? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. It is. So, um, and that's always fun when that happens. <laughs> well, that's one word you could use to describe it. Yeah, fun is one word to describe it, I suppose. It's not the first word that generally springs to mind in my head. It's usually SH1T is the first thing and uh, stuff like that. But, I mean, that, that comes with the territory. So, <clears throat> we've got the opportunity, I think, I don't mean just you and me, but the listeners, anybody that's, uh, and everybody that's involved in this space, to create a decentralized video platform. And um, uh, some of you might be familiar with it. The, the software that we're looking at is a thing called PeerTube, P-E-R-T-U-B-E. It's from uh, our French colleagues. And the French seem to be up to their armpits in the audio world. They're all over the place. Um, many people here will use VLC, I think, possibly, to pick up things. That's French. Uh, we use a, an online mixer called Voice Meter. That comes out of France as well. I think it does, or Belgium, but it's very close. It's a Francophile country. Um, and PeerTube is also this open source software. And it opens up some tremendous possibilities to keep these sorts of signals going in what I think it, realistically we can anticipate are going to be more tougher times for us um, going ahead from this point yet. We're not uh, we're not out of the woods. I mean, a lot of people don't even realise they're in the woods yet. Those of us that have known it for a long time are still trying to find our way out. But um, have you have you had a chance to look at it, Paul, or, or to have any further thoughts on it? Um, no, I haven't actually had a chance to look at it yet. But it's it's brilliance. It's absolute brilliance because. Uh, and, uh, but I was talking to somebody about it, and the thing is, if somebody had a channel and they did a stream let's say they were on a challenged internet connection Mm 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, that challenged internet connection, they have that stream and they are uploading that stream to their PeerTube server. Okay. The first time somebody connects to that stream, instead of just connecting to the one server, now there's two sources for that because the packets that have been played on another system by a third party now become available to the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh person that connects to it. And Mm -hmm. every single one of them, they also have the packets. So the more people that are watching a video, the more sources there are for the video and the higher the quality of the video. It's absolutely brilliant. It is brilliant. It is. It's absolutely key. I don't know. I'm going to repeat that just for, not that you didn't say it well, but I just like repeating it as well. I've been thinking about this a lot. Basically, we get live streams going and by the way once we're through the guinea pig phase with this this show will be on it i'll publicize it here uh it's obviously going to be a backup video channel i mean this is an audio stroke radio show that we where we're using a video platform and i'm going to keep using it until they say you can't use it anymore you know they might not um they might we might just bumble around and might dodge whatever sort of invisible sensor hurdles they're laying in our path but I'm not really too fussed about that anyway. This, basically, if we've got live streams going off on it, and you get more and more people watch it, of course, the the experience is, oh, no, it's all going to bog down. And, of course, if it was a one-server, a one-trick pony, that's absolutely right. That is what would happen. But this doesn't do that. Basically, every viewer is classed as a peer, part of the group, and it uses some of your upload bandwidth to effectively recirculate the signal to further and further viewers. So if you get a live stream with a 1,000 people on it, it's going to play perfectly. And the more that pile on, the better it gets. It just It's a bit like, uh, what's the thing, BitTorrent. It's effectively hijacking a bit of your upload speed. And we're going to have to think like this because it's it gives us that distributed feel and the listeners need to know that therefore they are a vital part of it they absolutely are i mean we're all listeners as well we're all consumers of it as well as well as contributors to this space but i i just think it's absolutely it's fantastic i mean we're looking at maybe putting in a clutch of two or three major servers to 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 hold it all together and see what we can do with that and it'll also give listeners a means to um, financially contribute to like sponsor a server. I know you know there'll be people out there that will be able to do it of the, off their own bat. Fantastic, and we want to link up with them and do this. But it's because um, uh, video is an expensive thing. I mean, it's the biggest load you can put on a computer. Just about you know processing live visual images is a big deal. And look at what YouTube have done. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have literally bought up the audience and and consume them. They consume the audience. Right. I mean, if you go, if you find out, oh, I forgot. I think it's Join PeerTube is their main website. But if you do a search, guys and gals, you'll come across it. And the way that they talk about it is uh, like how the internet has always been talked about in the beginning. It's wonderful. It's very refreshing to go back to that. You know, we've been leached into this. Oh, the big companies have got all the power and control. And yes, we know they've got all this capacity to do it. But here we are with relatively inexpensive little VPSs, little mini servers all over the place. And once people get over possibly anything, any intimidation they have about what a server is, it's just a fancy computer that distributes things, right? Um, and right. Uh, you, we're all contributing. You go, oh, yeah, I've got a little server there in my name, you know, Bob Smith server or whatever it is. And um, 
then we go, oh, well, it didn't really matter if they take out this on that and the other. I mean, that's another thing. <laughs> this was another thing. I mean, maybe we touched upon this earlier in the week, that if we have a growing network like fungus of these things, I mean, I'm getting carried away, but, you know, we've got to paint pictures here. And they're in different nations and different continents, and they want to deal with it. They're going to have to go to every single government, every single continent, and all this, that, and the other. I know they're well on the way to being able to have one switch to do that because they've got most of the world's governments in their pockets, courtesy of the central bank control but even so it's a slow process they have to go through it procedurally and by the time they've taken out five we could bolt another 10 on in other words you know the thing could just keep expanding every time they take a whack at it which is right really very encouraging for all of us uh, to look at these things so that the burden as well doesn't fall on just one little group it's like no we're all effectively sharing resources i mean I've got internet resources which ought to be used when I'm asleep, which, of course, is rarely. I don't do sleep much these days, but you know what I mean. Whilst we're all asleep here in the UK, it's still you know late afternoon and evening in the US, so these things can all come in and, and kick through and, and contribute to the whole space and give everybody a sense of being part of something. I know it sounds a bit thin, but I think it's, I think it's important. Well, absolutely, and the beauty part of it <clears throat> is we're getting back to what the World Wide Web always was. Yes. Now, to look at the the Internet, it is like a spider web where there are trunks, there are Internet backbones, there are the big servers, but there are webs that come out from those servers and they go in every single direction and they interconnect. So if they were to take out one trunk or one line, like throwing a golf ball through a tremendously huge spider web, it doesn't matter how many strands of that web got broken. There's always strands that go around that hole. Yeah. And you can still get to where you want to go. And that is the beauty of it. We are putting the power back in the World Wide Web, which was always intended to be decentralized. Always intended to. It always was. Yeah. And that's what made it a joy in the beginning before the big commercial enterprises began to sort of swamp it. Of course, they've been responsible for a, a great deal of technical improvement and all that kind of stuff. But of course, it was always for a bad aim, which is to concentrate ever more purchasing power in their hands. And they've been very successful in this field, just as they have in all the others, because, you know, effectively, they do have unlimited budgets to just keep doing things and that's why i think they don't get too panicky we we've often you know i've talked to people oh we've got them now i'm going i don't think so just hold on right just wait <laughs> it doesn't work like that right you know from a certain perspective yeah we we've got something that we never had before and everybody here i would imagine is really only here because of this technology which is a great thing you know um we've been given access to documents and all sorts of other things i mean i mentioned dennis wise earlier and i've seen a comment about him in here that he's a genius he's uh, <laughs> i would call him that he'd probably say you what but i uh, no he is he's a fantastic guy and he's had a few health problems recently just to let you know but he's uh, he's going in the right direction and he will be on here at some point imminently um uh if not this month then february because i want to talk to him about many things uh we were discussing masonry and of course national socialism and several other bits and bobs and christianity and hitler's table talk there's all of that stuff to go into this is not a show necessarily about those things today uh, but we are going to touch upon those things because Let's face it, without this technology, most of us would not even know that those documents existed. 
That's the key thing. We're, we're right. part of a discussion that we didn't even know was possible to have 25 years ago, which is an amazing thing. And it's a wonderful thing, you know. It's enriched our lives tremendously, as as well as bring a great deal of pressure upon us. As you know, it's that bit like, oh, I wish I didn't really know that. I mean, that's definitely that definitely comes with it. It's not all it's not all happy Larry in the in the in the forest skipping and going, oh, everything's going to be better now. It's far from that at times, but we have to know, don't we? So, um, yes, we do. We do. We absolutely do. So if there's any any of you out there are budding communicators and want to do things or get involved, go and look up Peertube. Just go and look it up and slowly get familiar with the space and see what they're talking about and what they're doing. It's it's this distributed thing. And I accept that video has more appeal. It just does. Um, so well, we go with it. The other thing as well I would mention about it is on the test versions that we've been running and you would appreciate this too paul maybe you've you also know this the audio quality on this thing is through the roof it's absolutely outstanding um uh so um <clears throat> you know obviously you've got to produce a good signal in the first place as paul as you and i do of course <laughs> but um well, you know of you course of course you know we're out to produce a good <laughs> signal at, at source but um but it's um yeah someone's just written here peertube is excellent worth trying it is in fact patrick who was on here last week he'd gone it turned out that he'd opened an account with um no agenda tube so the the show no agenda um uh what is it? adam curry and john c dvorak it's been going for ooh, 12 years or something i mean it's an, a really well screwed together show it's not necessarily my cup of tea all the time but boy in terms of the way that they screw things together uh, technically, and what they've built up there, it's very impressive, and it's the sort of thing that I'd like to, you know, uh, get close to in, in, as the months go by in terms of doing certain things. I mean, and uh, they've set up an instance of PeerTube. You can go, anyway. Patrick had opened an account there. He was telling me earlier in the week he'd forgotten all about it, and they just allow him to go live streaming whenever he wants to. This is. You know, mm. this is really good stuff. You know, I mean, it's not open to everybody. You don't just go, oh, I'm going to go into this PeerTube and I, I'm, I'm entitled to an account. No, many of them say, apply for one. And you have to because, obviously, you know, you're talking about uh, this. You need more money to run these things than you do anything else because you need a lot of space. You know, if you've seen these three-hour and four-hour live streams that people do, they're like three and four gigs in space, and all this stuff adds up. I know I'm going a bit technical here, but it's important for everybody to know it, apart from which we all can know it. So um, I'm a bit giddy about it. I don't normally – I haven't got giddy about technology recently, and I want to shout out to Pale, who has called in here a couple of times early on a few months ago, who's busy at it right now and who brought this to my attention. And, uh, uh, you know – We've, he's got a few toys now, and uh, it's going really well. So I, uh, I'm very encouraged by it. And I think, oh, another thing worth mentioning as well, although I don't do it this here, um, many video people can take tips, can't they? What's that thing? Entropy stream and all that kind of stuff, which I just haven't had time to get round to all these toys and bells and whistles. There's just so much of it. Um, so I do sound like a boomer when I say things like that, but my knowledge is in a different area. It's not necessarily pressing buttons, as some of you can can uh, testify to over the past few months. You know, sometimes the wrong button has been pressed at the wrong time. But um, the... No. It has. <laughs> Honest, it really... Yeah, I did. I pre- <laughs> Whoops, I pressed the wrong bloody button again. So that has happened. Um, but... Uh, 
uh, yeah, I mean, just getting in there and streaming with it and doing these things is uh, it's fantastic. So it, it does hold out a great deal of promise for us mm-hmm. for the future, I think. And um, uh, it means that we have still we've now got another tool to circumvent the restrictive measures that they are continually applying. As I was talking earlier, right, you know, the start of the show about email and the way that they're tightening. I've noticed this. It's bloody irritating. You know, people come in, my email book get through to Sansa, and you think, that never used to happen, did it? It never, ever happened. It just got through. Um, it's a wonderful thing. Um, but, of course, they want to dominate the entire space. You must use our email services, and we, Gmail, Yahoo, and Hotmail, and whoever it is, you need to be with us, and we'll take over the whole email market, and then we'll know exactly what you're doing, and then we can blah, 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 blah. So no change there. Someone's written a no, terribly absolutely. rude thing to me here, Paul. They've <laughs> Surely Paul oh, no. says, um, maybe it's addressed to both of us. Are you ready? Um, I'm uh, bracing Uh-oh. you. Brace yourself. Here we go. It says, surely, Paul, you're on the edge of being a boomer. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. How do I answer oh, that? Good. How do I deal with that? Um, That's a toughie. Um, actually, somebody told me that there's something else. There's something on the edge of being a boomer and the beginning of something else. I got the, another tag and all that kind of stuff. And people are always going, all these young types, they're always going bloody boomers out there or whatever they say. But uh, I think I've done my little bit on that before. I'll say it again. It's very brief. Uh, I don't think it's got anything to do at all with the generation that you've been labelled with or born into. It's got nothing to do with it. I think the same percentage of people who ask questions are present in every generational strand. Whatever label you want to give it, it's a relatively small amount of people, I think you'd have to say it's in the minority, who are willing to question things and then to maybe throw those questions out in public spaces every now and again and take the sort of crap that comes back at them as part of the... uh, as part of the whole thing. So um, I love boomers. They're great. I grew up with them, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the many of them are dorky. They are. They're stupid. Uh, but the criticism that they wrecked everything is asinine. It's really, really stupid. It's like saying, well, all those people that fought in World War II, you know, they were the ones that destroyed everything. Well, they were the ones that were alive at the time. You and I would have been roped into it. Probably. We didn't have the internet then. We just had newspapers like everybody else. We would have been as goofy and as misled as everybody else was unfortunately maybe we'd have been courageous maybe we'd have been dead you don't know but um yeah so i I tend to not go in for that i don't know about you do you do you subscribe to that sort of stuff what do you think well no because well i've seen i've seen uh brilliant examples of intelligence and uh straightforward thinking and everything else in the younger generation but i have also seen the opposite of that. So, mm-hmm. any, anybody that that <clears throat> accuses me of of going headlong into boomerdom and trying to blame me for <laughs> what's gone wrong, you, you just wait another ten or twenty years until some <laughs> some of the the younger generation that I've been exposed to <laughs> over the last couple of years just wait until they have a crack at it. <laughs> yeah. you think it's messed up now? <laughs> I'm I'm just saying. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, it's funny. And I was thinking, you know, the thing about remembering things is you remember things Mm -hmm. differently as the years go by. So maybe I said this last week. I don't know whether I'm repeating myself. Maybe this is a sign. sign. Oh, no. It is. You know, Uh I don't take notes. Did I say this last week? Oh, my God. It's only one week and I'm repeating myself. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm repeating myself. But you know, if something sort of uh, major happens to you, say, at the age of 18, whatever it may be, you know, your trousers fall down in public, or there's something like that, you know, something that leaves some indelible emotional mark on you, you know, you set fire to a public building and it all goes wrong. You'll remember it in a certain way, maybe when you're 30. When you get to 40, you're remembering it slightly different. You get a 50, a different again. It's almost as if the memories, when recalled, tell a different tale it's a different sort of way of spinning it you spin it back and and you see things in it from a distance that you couldn't see at the time because you were right up at it i mean not all events in your life are profound they're not i mean you know some people want to sort of analyze every aspect of their life well i've really got to go through all this stuff no i don't think you do actually why don't you just sit down or go to the pub and chill out and uh, go look at the flowers and, <laughs> and lighten up a bit because uh, analyzing things to death doesn't necessarily uh, doesn't necessarily always work out does it you know well, it's the fight or flight mode, you know. I mean, if you're reacting to things, you can't be proactive. So you you can't see what is wrong around you if you're focused on the most prevalent thing that's wrong mm-hmm. uh, around you. All you can see is like this mush of uh, this mush of stuff and you have no idea which direction to go or what to do. Now, if you're looking at it logically and not reactively, if you're looking at it proactively, you can find a course. You Mm -hmm. can do something where you can correct one of those little problems. Just one. That's all you've got to deal with because after that problem is taken care of, then you have fewer problems to deal with. Then you take the next one and the next one and the next one and the next one and the first, uh, the next thing you know, you've fixed your entire life. Yeah, that that happens for everybody, doesn't it? It does. That would that works. It does. <laughs> yeah. It does work. Hey, let's have another little song here. Well, actually, no, this is not a song. This is a tune. This is a musical piece. Now, someone put in a request for "Do You Maker," but I'm going to skip over that because I've heard it eight thousand times and it's great. We'll we'll come to it. Maybe this show. I don't know. But someone's put in a request for something that I never heard before, and I always like that. So uh, this is from Warren, who then goes on with a huge, enormous username. Request Siboni by Ernesto Ernesto Laquona. Please. Now, P- now, wait a minute. Before yeah. before you launch that, where are you yeah. getting it from? Because uh, I just sent that to you in Skype. Did you? You sent it. Yeah, because. I've been I've been busily sitting here recoding music that was that was requested and sending it to you in Skype. So have you have you recoded that as a B mix? Is that what you've done? Yes, yes, <laughs> of course I have. Okay, well I was going to pull it out of my hat, you know, because I've got this hat that's just full of infinite music, as you can probably tell. So all right, well look, then you do. Let me just go and have a look, and I'll just. Um, Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> it's not one thing, it's another. I don't know. You see, I turned I thought, my I Skype off. I that's what we were this. doing. No, no. I, well, I, yeah, but I didn't expect you to sort of do it on the fly, did I? Sort of, oh, no, I just do that at the drop of a bloody hat. That's amazing. I didn't oh, know you were just going to... I'm funny that way. I mean, <laughs> you know, I mean, what else have I got to do while you're sitting there talking? I'm just sitting here listening to you and going to find the stuff. I mean, am I talking? You know, why not? I probably am. No, know, probably. well, it's your show. Come no, it's on, not. it's our show. <laughs> have you done them both? You've done, you've done Dear Maker, and you've done Saboni. Let me play Saboni. For, oh, let me grab this. Um, I've got a. Actually, this is a bit of a faff because I'm just going to. I'm not going to play it straight out of Skype. That would be. That would be foolish. I don't really want to do that. Um, let me just have yeah, a look. Yeah, that, that would be un- positively unsavory. It would be positively uh, yeah, wrong. Yeah, that one. 
But I've got a way of playing it quickly. I've got a way of playing it quickly. Hang on, let me just. Uh, yeah, I can do this quick. <laughs> and 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 if I can if I can correct you, uh, you always hit the right button, but not necessarily in the right zone at the time because the button you hit is your left mouse button. <laughs> You know, oh, I hit my the own right show. I'm being mocked on my own show. It's outrageous, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know no, what to say. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that you always hit the right button. Yeah, but at the wrong time. You were saying you hit the... What? Yeah. <laughs> What's that thing? It's a Monty Python thing. We've got all the words there. It's just a matter of getting them in the right order. That kind of thing. All right, okay. Exactly. Anyway. All right, so this is this is the one by Ernesto Lacana. Remastered. This is another B-mix. Here we go, I think. Hang on, let me just check to make sure that I haven't... Oh, I haven't. So there we go. Uh, this is about three minutes long. We'll be back after this one, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Here we go. <laughs> That was uh, that was sweet. I was a bit puzzled at the beginning, but that moved in a nice direction. And some a little comment here. First of all, I pronounced it incorrectly, so Warren has corrected me. It's C Bonet, C Bonet. 
I think I pronounced it right. Mike, correct me again on that one. And another comment here. Someone's written, no elevator music, please. Well, it wasn't elevator. It was elevating music, <laughs> wasn't it? See what I did there? It was elevating music, I think that was. That was uh, sweet as a peach, that. So that's so we've run two B-mixes already in the show. These are going to build up, right? Fantastic. So, so yet again, that was at 432 hertz. I know you can all tell straight off. Actually, it's difficult straight off. But if you compare it with the originals, it's not so difficult, is it? It's pretty good. You're right there at that end, or have you just been attacked by a wart or something, or a dog? What's going on? <laughs> My cat just knocked something over. <laughs> well, you know, the, I think exactly the cat. Why the cat pulls probably a good reason to get a webcam. Apparently, if you just put cats in everything, people just go, and you, you, everybody wants to watch or something, something like that. You know. Yes, but the cat makes a terrible mess, and that would wind up on the webcam, which is precisely why there's no video. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, very oh. wise. Absolutely. Well, yeah, we'll have to set up CatTube on PeerTube. I'm sure that's the one that, that everybody's really waiting for. The, the whole internet was designed for people to show images of their cats doing strange and wonderful and interesting things. They are quite amusing. Um, station ID here. You're listening to WBN324. Um, the dot com's gone. It's WBN324.zil. So uh, good afternoon to everybody in the United States, who's tuning in, and good evening to everybody in the UK and mainland Europe, who's also here, and on Rumble and elsewhere. Uh, Warren wrote that that last tune was bloody marvellous. There's no need to swear, Warren. I mean, it's just outrageous. It's a family show. But yeah, it was, actually. I, I like that, too. So that's, I love having new things that I've never heard before, you know, rumble into my ears. So, yeah, brilliant. Um, what were we talking and- about? <laughs> Well, one one thing I one thing that I would like to share with you is the source for that was YouTube. Was so it really the source? The source for that was a compromised audio that was MP3 compressed and uh, rendered to be stored on the YouTube servers, which means they squash it like horribly. <laughs> Oh, we'll get, I will and, get you a better one for, for later on. But it's fantastic that you're doing it on the fly. I mean, honestly, I feel like really given to it. It's brilliant. I didn't know you were going to do that. <laughs> I, just, I just press a switch. What do you want? It's fab. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. If you put in a request, it's going to get B-mixed tonight. Um, <laughs> That's cool, isn't it? Okay, now there's now there's going to be a hundred song suggestions. I won't be able to keep up. Yeah, steady on it. Oh, we'll see. <laughs> Yeah, I just hear you clattering oh. away on the keyboard. Oh, he's gone now, you know, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and uh, but uh, yeah, that was great. I, I like that. So, mm, digging things out. Now, where were we? What were we talking about? You see, I, get, I was looking at that picture as well for the show, listening to that music, and sort of falling mentally into a winter wonderland. It was really rather pleasant. That, and um, you know, we have to do things like that, don't we? That was a beautiful piece of music, and. Um, What's the thing that Dostoevsky said? Beauty will save the world. And he's right. He's absolutely right. Um, you know, speaking of the opposite of beauty, I don't... Oh, he's here. Absolutely. So let me just accept him in. This is really interesting. Eric, you've just joined us, but I've got you on mute at the moment, so you should be able to hear us, but I'm just going to give you an intro. So... Um, last week, um, and in fact in the Telegram group, we've been talking... You know, I bang on about architecture and it being pretty horrific. And last week we were talking about Freemasons and architecture, and I managed to just cram in at the end of the show that that Monty Python clip about the uh, 
the man applying for the job for the block of flats, which turned out to be an abattoir, but his real purpose was that he wanted to become a Freemason. Well, Eric von Essex, that is his real name. No, it's not really, but I quite like it. Eric uh, contacted me. We had a little chat the other day, and he's got experience in that area. And I'm just going to bring him on, and we're going to talk a little bit now. Well, we're, we're going to let Eric talk a little bit. Eric, good evening and welcome to the show. How are you? Oh? Well, you're connected, Eric, but we can't hear you. Uh, all quiet on the Western Front. So, never mind. Can you see him on the screen there, Paul? I'm looking... You should see. You should be able to see him. Uh, yes. Yes. Yes, I can see him. Okay. Well, when he starts piping up, we'll probably get this sort of how. Maybe he's having trouble with a cat. You know, it seems to be. Maybe he's having cat problems. Oh. Oh. Okay. So, Eric, if you can hear the broadcast, you're connected. You're in the room, but we can't hear you at the moment. So you need to adjust your microphone settings inside Clean Feed here. Um, and if you click the cog. On the right-hand side, it should bring some options up. We should have probably done a sound test earlier in the day, but I was too busy throwing hammers at servers today to actually have done anything with anybody. So this just happens to be a knock-on effect of that. In fact, I, I think we were due to do one, but that's uh, okay. Well, if he starts piping up, we can we can bring that in. So just hold that in mind. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know what to talk about now, Paul. I'm all stuck. We were, well, we were we were talking about we were talking about architecture, architecture, yeah. and, and the the horrible disservice that has been done to buildings forever, forever. and that is because they have complete. Oh, there he is. That's all right, Eric. Let me give you. You just stay there. I'm going to give you a bit more volumeage because. Uh, We've got you on the. I've got you on the, on the QT. Speak again. Right. Is that okay now? Oh yeah. Don't worry. You don't have to do anything. I've got these buttons from the gods here, which I often press ah. in the wrong order. So Eric, welcome to the show. Eric, I'm joined here. I've currently you might have heard. I've got Paul Paul B here with me, who's been doing the B mixes. But we uh, we spoke the other day, and uh, uh, where would you like to begin? We've got uh, we've got about half an hour or so to have a little chat here about architecture right. and. Council town planning meetings and all that other exciting stuff. Well, uh, actually, first of all, I've got a bit of an echo, so I don't know what's happening. So I'm, I'm hearing you twice, so I'm not quite sure what's going on. Okay, that's at so, your end then, because we're not echoing uh, here at this end. Right, hang on. I'll just see what I... Where should we do? Uh... You're probably that's connected better. to the stream and the... Uh... And the back end run. Are you well. still listening yes. to the show? You need to turn the show off. Yeah. Right. Hang on a moment. I will turn the show. Right. Yeah. That's better. That's yeah. it. I, I think I've got you there. Because uh, I thought I was going out of my mind. I was hearing myself twice. Oh, yeah. But, don't, don't, um, start, don't start talking about echo, Eric. Um, you know, because I start to come out in a cold sweat and it all goes very, very wrong and badly wrong. <laughs> badly wrong. Right. Oh, but look, before you start, before you start, Eric, I wanted to ask you, what's the name of that website and your radio things that you were doing a few years ago? Give us the name of that again. What was it called? Right. Uh, well, my <laughs> website is <laughs> FockhamHallRadio.com. Oh, you cheeky sod. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Okay. Yeah, so <laughs> that's spelled. Do you want to spell it? F spell it so everybody can. Yeah. F O C K H A M. Yes. Radio, all in one word. Right. Dot 
com. And right. uh, I do a live show every Monday, which, of course, you're welcome on as well. So, you know, you can come on if you if you wish. Uh, well, um, I, might, I might take you up on that offer. I mean, I'm often swearing <laughs> a lot on Monday, so you might not want me around because it's the beginning of the week. But uh, so uh, let me say, so I want to get I want to keep the title right. It's Fockham Hall. Is that right? Fockham Hall. That's right. It's Fockham uh, Hall. That's, the, the, that's um, the way the English deal with the language barrier, isn't it? So well done, Eric. I quite like that. So it's very, very good. Country. Smallest country in the world, actually. Is it uh, really? Actually, no, differently. Yes, yes. I've declared independence. Oh, and well if you go done. on the website, uh, I've got my own currency and everything else. You can download uh, what is called Fock Bobs, uh, which is worth um, bugger all, actually. But uh, and I'm also going to. I'm now designing a passport as well, so you can actually have dual. Uh, dual. We're not citizenship. You can be an individual of Fock and Hall, You see. So that's what we're up to. <laughs> oh, I like I like that. I've often felt that if we just redesign and rebuild the sort of the glue of our civilization and just go ahead and the idea that you're issuing passports, I think is great. I think we should just, you know, why do we need a passport office? Let's just do our own. It's just I think it's great, Eric. That's fantastic. Now so, you you sent in a few. Mm -hmm. Let's um, over on the Telegram group, and I'll give it. If you're not on Telegram here from this show, and you want to be, get Telegram. Telegram is, of course, a controlled space as well. So you know, I'm not naive enough to think that it's not part of the other side. But for now, it's a brilliant horse to ride. It's doing some really, really good stuff, and. Um, you sent in a couple of posts recently. I actually wanted to just read one. You know, we might go all over the shop here. I wanted to read part of one anyway, something that you wrote the other day. Um, it's about architecture, this little bit. You said, people wonder why architecture is so bland and awful compared to pre-1914. It's a complicated answer, but it's a mixture of finance that rules it and the lunacy of the ongoing communist agenda that's been in existence since around the 1920s. There are strong roots of the rot of architecture in the madmen of the Frankfurt School, a bunch of sadistic nutters, agreed, that were booted out of Germany in the 1930s, then welcomed with open arms into America where they went on to pollute their and the rest of Western society. And uh, we've, not, we've not even looked uh, at the Frankfurt School just yet. But the basis of, of your... You've stumbled into this for real, haven't you, as part of your professional life? Is that, is that correct? Well, that's right. Yes, I've had sort of first-hand experience, and I've often said that uh, if I wrote a book about it, people wouldn't believe it. But um, I've got a publisher. Oh. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, uh, I was um, uh, I'm an architectural technician. Now, what you will find, depending on the type of project, you'll find one architect and several uh, technicians, and it's the technicians that design. Uh, the, the building literally put it together in design and do the working drawings so some poor sod on site can look at them and think oh yeah that's how it's put together so we're the sort of hidden side the, the it's a bit like a racing car driver mm -hmm. the person that drives a racing car gets all the fame but you don't see the technicians behind the scene that design the racing car and make sure it goes to the right speed and everything like that yeah so we're sort of in the limelight and I was uh, a freelance one, or what they called mercenary or subby, or because uh, when you're freelance, you can probably get more uh, projects under your belt in a couple of years than a person has in their lifetime. So <laughs> right. get around a bit. Yeah. Now, um, with architecture, um, yes, I think we've had a form of it, it's finance led, and you can divide it into two. 
I was in industrial and commercial, not housing. I did a little bit of housing, and it was about the worst two weeks of my career. But um, the reason we're getting rubbish everywhere is it's become where it was, shall we say, aesthetics were uh, a big thing in the Victorian times. Uh, you look at the engineering, it was absolutely brilliant. You look at things like Tower Bridge, and a lot of architects say, ah, you're against it because you're not used to it. Uh, it's new because uh, people ha hated Tower Bridge when it first came out. That's right. rubbish because, you know, we all inside us know what is beautiful and what is not beautiful. And, they all, and the other one is it's a statement. Well, so is a pile of dog poo in the street. That's a statement, especially if you tread in it. And what they're getting away with is it's to make a middleman as much profit as possible. That's really what it's about, profit. And we've got into this state pushed by communism that people have not got no, any soul or anything like that. They've just got to be a, a commodity that's housed. And that's, that's what we've had. And it got worse in the 1960s. And the real, real big problem is that um, we've allowed ourselves to sleepwalk into it. Because when you look at the Soviet Union, look at their tower blocks. How dreadful. And we had a chap called Corbusier. Now, Corbusier. Oh, yeah. You, you <laughs> no mentioned that to an architect. Yeah. And uh, shall we say, um, they'll cream their knickers with excitement. Oh, Corbusier, you know, they get their prayer mat out. I think he was a raving, bleeding nutcase. And well, he's crap. He, His architecture's just plain crap. Isn't he the one that designed some sort of museum or something in France? It's just a box, isn't it, at funny angles. And they go, that's right. look how creative all this is. They go, yeah, mate, it's junk. You know, they need a good smack. And we can, I've said this before, we can't get them in the pub to give them a verbal dressing down and humiliate them. They need to really, you know, I want to break these people, just like they're breaking our visual space with the junk that they put up. But you're right, it's a much bigger problem than, say, just Le Corbusier. But I, I, I remember reading things about those sorts of architects. Who's that other guy? Uh, uh, um, what's his name? Tom Wolfe did a whole book on, uh, about this yes. stuff. The, the German guy connected with the frankfurt school and this is where you get all that crap about form and space and light and steel and all this so, other stuff you what are you talking about mate it's just a box you know it's that's brutal really what architecture it is. isn't it yes it's brutal that's what they say brutalist brutal. that's exactly right a trafithic house in hammersmith mm -hmm. the most ugly looking piece of junk ever and um i was actually um in a on a contract once where they was looking at you know london wall where they've got all these sort of like boxes of uh, 1960s buildings yes and um if you get a, a, a cornflake packet that's basically what we was looking at and how to make it more aesthetically attractive and there was and i, I don't know what it was what come over me that morning but i was really fed up and i'm normally quite sort of placid type of person but i had this uh, effeminate photographer there saying oh we could take a photograph of it it's a stop that model here, and all <laughs> that's, that that's and, worrying <laughs> And, and I'm sitting there, and, I, yeah. and it's, I'm gradually getting wound up. And um, they're thinking, or talking, and they came over to me and said, Now, Chris, what do you think of this? I said, Well, I think that Blaster Bates with a lorry load of TNT will, get, will make a vast improvement. He said, Get out! And I was fired instantly. <laughs> well, somebody, didn't somebody put in a comment last week? 
I can't remember who it was, about remodelling certain townscapes using a 9mm howitzer. I thought that was a really good suggestion, actually. That, that was that was the tool to Perfect. take to them. And we, you know, we're talking about this horrific, brutalist stuff that they do, mm-hmm. but by way of counterpoint, and I've never been there, I've just seen the photographs, but up in Notting mm-hmm. Hill in London, there's a place yeah. called Leighton House, which is the house that Frederick Leighton lived in. And if you don't know who Frederick Leighton is, he did that painting called Flaming June. And if you don't know what that painting is, when you see it, you'll know it. It's of a woman, it's brightly orange and yellow, sort of half asleep in these wonderful flowing uh, robes in this chair. And Leighton House, from what I've seen in the photographs, I know if I go, I won't want to leave. It's that astonishing, the amount of Mm. artistic creativity that he put into the house. It's all over the place. And this guy could really paint, you know. He was a proper artist. And um, it's that. It's when you see that uh, stood side by side against these blocks, against every single aspect of even modern clothing design, it's all complete it's designed to demoralise and to diminish the spirit and the joy of life, and that's exactly what it does, unfortunately. Well, that's right, because it acts on your subconscious. That's what mm-hmm. people don't realise. And it, and this is why, I mean, for example, where they tear down trees, they're pulling trees, uh, digging trees up and cutting them down in uh, places of parts of London now uh, to save money and all this health and safety rubbish. And where that happens, the crime rate goes up. Because mm-hmm. you look at, you look at nature the curvature of it, it calms you down, the green, and, and also uh, it's a marvellous natural air conditioning because in the summer it makes the road nice and cool and in the winter, you know, it, it's just perfect. But um, what I want to get back to is that uh, housing, for example. Now, local councils, uh, to say that they're honest, well, <laughs> no. Um, there's lots of backhanders that go on and what people don't realise is that once upon a time, uh, building control and you had a building inspector, etc., etc., that's all been privatised now. So you do not have a building control. Mm-hmm. And when and did you know that councillors can now moonlight and so can staff in the planning office, they can moonlight and work for housing developers. And there's councillors that I know of that advise housing developers uh, on how to get plans through. And what they do now, they employ public relations consultants to fiddle, and I say that word, fiddle, um, uh, planning through where you get the most ugliest, hideous buildings pushed through because it's all backhanders. And I'm not mentioning any names or anything. No. So is that, is that in the old terms, taking from the front and the back end, that's double dipping, right, into the deal? Correct. That's really what it Correct. is. I hasten to add, I never had anything to do with it because I was actually in the design office. Nothing to do with it. But you see what's going on. Yep. And you have to be an idiot not to realise. You sit in a um, local authority planning meeting, which I've sat in hundreds. And, for example, there was a project where uh, I would say there was about 65 houses against a development going ahead. And the housing developers realised it, it was it was quashed every time. So they employed a public relations consultants mm-hmm. and they put a room around that is pointless uh, objecting to the development because it's going to go ahead anyway. And then they sent in about 30 uh, 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 emails a day to the council praising the development to the hilt. So I sent to the council and said, excuse me, isn't this wrong? These 30 
you know, a 30 yeah. a day piling in. And they said, we see nothing wrong in this. People can object, can, can praise it if they wish. And when I went to the planning meeting, afterwards, the planners and the and the um, local councillors are supposed to be working for the people, were chapping each other's back and going down to the pub, I presume, for a drink to, uh, you know, to because to, 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 they were so happy that they got it through the planning yeah it sounds it's like it's like bent. lobbying isn't it in politics i mean it's basically yes. it's a, an, an internal lobbying circuit that the public are told that they could turn up to but the effort it takes for members of the public to do this is considerable they have to disrupt their lives and this is you know one of the points i try to keep making i mean it's not profound or anything but the other side they all get paid they're all comfy they don't know what discomfort mm. is and they just keep lining their own sort of and it's without them seeing the bigger picture um, it, it, it is a madness. I mean, of course, I I personally trace all of this these effects down to the presence of the central bank because that's where the pigs want to congregate, and this is an aspect of that. You know that they're going to ensure that the things that they want to see happen, which is basically the turning of people into like commodities on their global stock exchange, their cattle farm. Every, all the decisions are about that. What's the you were saying earlier? What's the cheapest possible form of housing? How can we make the most profit on it? Uh, and this, that, and the other. I mean, there are a couple of houses being built near me. Um, they're like chalets. I think they'll be quite nice. Although I'm amazed that they're only they're detached, and yet the gap between them is about five feet. I mean, it's ridiculous, you know, this sort of thing. But obviously, they got planning permission for it. And I was talking to the building guys there, who you know are not a part of the they contractors on site. They were nice lads. This was just before Christmas. And I said, how much are these things going to go for? He said, well, they're going to be just like this one here. So I could see the sort of house. He said, we th he said we've been told about 600,000. I said, <clears throat> for what, three-bed detached? They said, yeah. I said, so how's anybody supposed to buy that then? They said, oh, we don't know. We don't know. And, of well, course, up the, up the street, yeah. I don't know if you've seen them. I've got them in your area. There's this company that they've stuck on high streets called webuyanyproperty.com. And they're going around and buying things up. And what I would like to know, I haven't got the time to even research this, is where are they getting their money from? I mean, I've got my suspicions, and they're going to be pretty much in that line. Huge, vast sums of money are being made available for housing stock to be bought up by centralized organizations. It's been happening in the States with BlackRock, hasn't it, Paul? Are you aware of that? You still with us, Paul? Oh, he's... Yep, he's, absolutely. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah. yeah. Black BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street, yeah, you name it. They've been buying everything up. They have. They have. I'm coming out of your speakers, by the way, which uh, is quite nice for some. But can you hear me? I feel I feel better now that I'm not the only one to be cursed by the the ever present echo type thing. This is good. So you made me feel slightly good about that. That was good. Well, you're you you would be comforted in knowing that you are not the only one that could hear you. Uh, I, you're on 15, uh, you're on four 15 inch two way stage speakers. So they could actually hear you out on the front street because I was in the other room making coffee, but I forgot to turn that down when that's I unmuted okay. myself. I'm sorry. Oh, that's good. Well, both me and Eric on this side of the pond are very pleased about that, Paul. I can tell you, I think that's really good. So. <laughs> Eric, well, sorry, we slightly interrupted, but I just wanted to bring that's Paul right. in. But yeah. uh, similar happened in Weimar, Germany in the 1920s. Um, property was actually being bought up, but that's another, that's for another that's, for, that's another subject. But the point I was going to say is that um, the de design side 
of things is an overhead. So they cut that to the minimum. So most of the time it's easy to blame the architect, but an architect is a bit like a taxi cab cabbie because once they've done their job for the client, they've got to find another client or another client, another client. And uh, what you find is the design period was cut shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter mm -hmm. until most of the time, you're, you're, I'm talking about the old fashioned drawing boards, you were called what ink slapping. You literally haven't got time to think things through. You just got to rush mm -hmm. it as quickly as possible. Yep. So you're given something like a day to do something that would normally take about two weeks to do. And of course, with CAD, which is computer aided design, they've cut the design period even shorter. So people are running around like headless chickens. I guess it's, it's all horrendous. copy and paste, isn't it, for the design stuff? I mean, I worked Most in an time, architect's yeah. office in the late... My first job was working for a private housing firm in Leeds in the mm -hmm. 19, late 70s, about 78, 79. It ultimately wasn't for me because I kept on doodling too much and we all basically came to the firm agreement that I was in the wrong place after about two years, you know. But I, I used to go up to the planning office with all this stuff. But uh, my job was to, in part, re adjust some of the plans and of course this was done with a drawing board back then computers hadn't even arrived in the workspace so it was all rotaring pens and ink and everything i quite liked all oh, that yes. that was one of the reasons why i went into it uh, i quite liked mucking about with pens and things and all that kind of stuff i mean it's not it's not much of a qualification <laughs> for it but it was pretty much that they would say look take this from this and that goes on there because they were building these houses now i thought in a way well they're all a bit samey but in comparison to today they were almost elegant um, uh, one of the thrilling jobs, by the way, that I had was the plotting of sewage pipes. That was a lot of fun. How <laughs> I used to get, pleasant, I, yes. Yeah, it was yes. great. I had to make sure that they were at the right angle for the soil pipes, as they're referred to. They couldn't That's be too right. steep and they couldn't be too shallow. They had to fall within a certain thing. So I used to get all these sort of elevation maps of the ground and then I had to plot it all out and send it up to the planning office and say, this is where we're going to lay all these pipes. So that was fun. But... Um, yeah. Oh, I've done all that. And so yeah, what is it? But, uh, one in a hundred. What is it? Hundred pipe. One in a hundred. There's a, there's a there's a rough rule of thumb that you use for things like that. Mm -hmm. um, but the other thing is when you do surveys. I mean, I worked on the Billingsgate redevelopment in London, Lower Thames Street. Right. And that was fascinating. One of the best contracts ever done. And there you was crawling through into little areas and looking at areas that have been closed up for a hundred years and things like that. And that was yes. fascinating. Yeah. But going back on back onto this, I believe that housing should be handed back to the people, not developers. And that sounds a bit weird. No, Have it doesn't. I'm, I love it. I, I completely, I'm completely with you on yeah. that. Now, they yeah. talk about folksy housing. Now, have you, has anybody ever heard of Plotlands? That's in Essex. It's down the South Essex. Right. And what that was, um, between the wars, uh, people could go there, and it's mainly people from London that have got a little bit of money, you know, saved up a bit, and they built their own little, like, sheds that they lived in for weekends. And it's just sort of driving distance. Anybody had a car could just about get to Plotlands and back. It's about 30 miles from London. And... What happened is in the 60s, the council, Big Brother, came along and said, oh, these houses are not fit to live in, and had them, all, apart from one, all bulldozed down. And people weren't allowed, they were forcibly ejected from them because people were living full time in them. But when you see photographs of these houses and you see one that's still existing, somebody, I don't know, they've managed to keep one there, they were built with love. You could tell people's passion were put into them. And they looked like, you know, the hillbilly houses you see in, in America with the little um, 
uh, you know, uh, just beautifully built. Now, and everyone had character because you could tell a story just by looking at the property because they'd been built by hand. There was also, wasn't there this thing as well, uh, Eric, that... Mm. You know, I remember this even... I remember when we went to Cornwall with my parents in the early 70s, right? And uh, it just looked very different. The the areas of the country reflected very much the character or the characteristics of the people of the county. There was this wonderful sense of muddledness, which was incredibly attractive and appealing because you thought, oh, they do things different here. Oh, that's not right. We don't do it like that over there. And this sort of centralization and standardization has taken much of the fun and reduce the scale of everything. You just go, it's all this, it's like McDonald's everywhere, you know, all this kind of stuff. So the, the idea of locals designing their own houses, obviously so they don't fall down. You need structural engineers, I suppose. That would be quite useful. You don't want people actually building things that oh, are unsafe. Uh, but that, that's just fantastic. I'm completely for that sort of stuff. I think it's wonderful. Why not? Well, I'm fully in favour of strict building regulations. And what I said, that is for people's safety. Yes. But when it comes to planning, uh, they it, it's a religion that, well, it's only the planners seem to understand it, and I think they should actually make a lovely bonfire of all the planning regulations, which is different to building regulations, yeah. uh, and then start again. Because building regulations, yes, we we need buildings that are solid, stand up, and you've got to have a building officer, and you've got to, have, you know, you can't stand bodgy work and that type of thing. I'm yeah. fully in favour of that, but I agree with you. Uh, for example, if you went to the Cotswolds, you'd see a property that had Cotswold Stone, you go down to Cornwall. It, it had their own particular quirks, and it reminds me of a contractor. I, I, I didn't go for it, but it was a firm that specialised in shopping precincts. And they showed me a portfolio, and they said, well, this, we do them around the world. This is Guam, and you just see a typical, and this is sort of some island in the Pacific, um, a typical shopping centre. Then he turned the page again. He said, well, this is somewhere in America. Mm-hmm. Then exactly the same. Then he turned the page again and he said, um, I can't remember the place, but uh, that's Stockton on Tees. You know, what? Yeah. And it, they're all the same. So wherever you went in the world, it was the same sort of yeah. bland shopping area. Mm-hmm. And it's this blandness which I think is causing psychological problems with people i agree with i think it's absolutely massively important it's not a casual oh we're just building boxes type thing i mean for uh for listeners in the u.s the cotswolds uh would fit you probably what i think is your ideal picture of an english village it's ridiculously beautiful as the cotswolds and everybody sort of wants to live there but can't afford to um but it's uh, it's got little rivers outside your front door and little stone crossings and everything and it's it, i think they use it in a lot of films if they ever want to suggest england of the 1930s 40s or 50s um i think uh, what was that historical thing that's just been on uh, downton abbey about eight or ten years ago i think they shot quite a bit of stuff there for village life and things like i could be mistaken but it's very similar to that and uh, why is it of course is a good question i think we all know the answer but you see things like that you see things like hobbiton in lord of the rings at the beginning and you go yeah, that's where i want to live i want to live in a place like that i want that higgledy piggledyness i want the curly roads and i want the funny fields and i want the pond and i want the village square because it's about community life and of course, this is not community housing. It's not about community life. It's not about building a community at all. It's about boxing it up, parceling it up, and extracting money from it. It's a joke, you know. Yes. Well, have um, you ever heard of uh, defendable space? 
There's a no, I haven't. Now, Defendable Space, this was uh, very popular in the, uh, I'd say, late 70s. You don't hear of it now. But it was um, a chap, and I think, I think it was a psychologist, I can't remember. But he did an example. He said, we all need our defendable space. That means our own piece of individuality. And he went to a housing estate, which was the stacker block ones, and there was just communal, there was sort of like grass outside. And he stood there with a film crew and people just walked past, didn't take a blind bit of notice. Mm-hmm. Then he went to an almost identical one that had a six inch high fence round mm-hmm. these plots. And they just stood on the grass and someone said, excuse me, what are you doing here? What, what, what's going on? And people are asking because they were stepping into people's defendable space. Yes. And this is mm-hmm. the thing. This communist idea that we should all live communally in these faceless blocks, um, it's, it's not human. It's not right. I mean, Thamesmead, I don't know if you've ever heard of Thamesmead. Yes. They had, I can't remember the exact figure, but it was the highest suicide rate of anywhere. Really? In the country. Yeah. And it's just bland 60s um, dwellings. Yep. And people were just throwing themselves off the top of the... The top of these blocks, high blocks, because they were so bland. What's that place? There's a. I know. In fact, if I had it, I'd stick an image into the show right now. I don't have it in front of me. There's. I lived up um, in the eighties. I was in northwest London. I lived around Queens Park and um, places like that. Oh, I've forgotten the other name, but Queen's Park and places like that. And going down towards wherever it was, you see, my memory is failing me a bit, which is not so bad. There was this horrific thing, this piece of junk, which now has been, uh, they've decided it's worth saving. It's a national treasure. It's absolutely horrific. I mean, it's got this sort of uh, concrete walkway uh, about 100 feet in the air that you walk to get into the side of these flats. It's absolutely Mm -hmm. foul. Um, and you just look at it and you go, it needs blowing up. We take the people out first, but it needs to be blown up. These things are not worth keeping. And so this, I mean, this is not overnight, is it? I mean, I've maintained that because we lost World War II, which we did, we didn't win anything. Because if you look around, you say, what is it that we won? Well, we won all this junk and all this crap and all this perversion and all this cultural decay. That's what we won. That's what, you know, that's what ended up coming into our territory because of this. Because, you know, global communism won. And um, which is really the creed. I mean, it's as good a word as any. They may have, you know, they may be worshipping giant spiders and dancing around on the moon and howling or whatever crap they get up to. But the bottom line is, you know, communism is a good word to use in public conversation because people generally latch onto what you're talking about. And and the other effectiveness of it, unfortunately, has been people like, well, well, there's nothing wrong with sharing things. We want to do that. Well, there is, but (laughs) there is without rules. And uh, defendable space is very, is very, you know, I've, I've heard of that kind of stuff. I remember them shooting something where they were trying to get people to identify where they lived in a block of flats. And, of course, there's no um, differentiating characteristics of your window from any other one. And that subdues the spirit. Um, and it's amazing when they show you all these high-rises in supposedly these ad- advanced um, Asian places like China and elsewhere all around there. Look at this modern high-tech city. I go, it's crap, mate. It needs burning down. It's rubbish. Yes. If we can get public opinion to just laugh at this high-tech garbage that they're putting up, like Dubai and all this, who want to live there? It's absolutely preposterously daft place. Um, it's like, look how much crap we can put up in a short pace of time. Yep, you're brilliant at it. Um, by the way, on an encouraging note, although this could be a, a false bit of news, a, a couple of 
shows back, and I've touched upon this, and we'll no doubt report on it or talk about it again. There's this thing called the line that's been built in Saudi Arabia. This thing is going to be 170 kilometers long, yeah. 200 meters. You know, you've seen this thing, Paul, right? I don't know if you're familiar with it, Eric. Have you heard about this thing? Yes, yes, I've heard about it, yes. Yeah, and they've wheeled out all the great and the good to talk complete crap about it. Oh, it's got this. So I heard one of them say, yes, to give it classic quality and structure, it's clad in glass. You're going, say that sentence again. Are you completely, have you got a mind? I mean, it's just ridiculous. So, But I've heard that it's hitting a lot of snags and that it probably won't go ahead, Um, which is, on one level, I think a good thing, but maybe it's a bad point because my view for it is that all these bad guys in the world, they need to go and live in it. I'd be quite happy about that. I think, you know, you like it that much. You think it's great. You live there, the lot of you, you know, because it's going to house nine million or something. I thought, well, that'll probably take out most of them, won't it? If we could identify them, get them one of your passports, Eric, and then they can go go off and get in there, you know, that kind of stuff. It's the psychopath element. That that is the problem. And I think what's happened is uh, our uh, areas like, for instance, my personal belief is the RRBA was infiltrated in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. And we've got that's that, now for, for Ameri- US listeners. The RIBA is the Royal Institute of British Architects. Yeah, that's right. Yes, RIBA. And yes, RIBA, 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 and they've actually been infiltrated. And of course, the universities are churning out these chinless wonders, which mm-hmm. I call um, thickodemics, and they come mm-hmm. out and uh, they, they've got no sort of. They live in a cloud cuckoo land world. Mm-hmm. And I think they call them woke now. Yeah. And this is the big, big problem. We've got these people that's coming out, being churned out of university, like a sort of toilet roll. Yeah. And you speak to them and they don't live in the real world. And they're put into positions of authority. And what we've got now is those more and more of those impractical people telling practical people what to do and how to live. Because how dare some property developer tell me how i should live or how someone in the council this is why i don't believe in government i don't believe in local councils i just don't believe in authorities no no we we can't believe in it it's it's that they literally it's not just a turn of phrase is it anymore it's literally the case that they are our enemy it's yes. not sort of yes. like a euphemism or a, uh, you know, I ate them and all that kind of stuff, which it used to be. It's literally the case that their behaviour is completely detrimental to our lives in every phase of it. Uh, are you aware of any, are there any organisations on the ground in the UK or anywhere that you're aware of that are kind of championing people's architecture or people's housing and that kind of stuff? I mean, there have got to be some. I just don't have any to mind right now. But are you aware of any, Eric? No, no. No, okay. I don't. I, I don't know. There may be, but I don't know. Of right, shout out I to the think... audience. Come on, get your fingers out, someone, and get yeah. it sorted out. <laughs> we've got a lot of work to do. We've got tons. I mean, we've got to start mm-hmm. acting uh, as well as talking. Um, uh, I think, you know, I, I just think we've got to, uh, there's something in action. Uh, even if uh, even if it's not the right action, the fact that you're actually doing stuff is great. We almost like need a consumer pressure group for architecture, don't we? The Mary Whitehouse movement for architecture for this century, you know, that we're fed well, up of indecent buildings. They're indecent at these buildings and they need to be pulled down. They're offensive to human beings. They're, they really are. They're disgusting. I hate them. Well, there was, an, uh, there was a movement, though, in the yeah. 70s that tried to stop the old um, back-to-back buildings you know those terrace buildings sort yep. of, uh, up in north and that 
uh, being knocked down. I can't remember the architect who championed it. But the trouble is, is that, oh, we said, you know, they're beautiful, this, that, the other. Well, I'm sorry, a lot of the Victorian uh, terraced houses that were built for workers were crap. Uh, yeah, they were. They I, I grew good. up in one. Yeah. I grew up in one for yeah. the first three years of my life, and I kind of dimly remember it. I, I ought to, because my father dropped me down the cellar steps, something that he used to come up to me for the rest of his life, going, oh, that day when I dropped you down the steps. He said, you've never been right since. I was about nine months or something. So there was there was that going on. You're, you're absolutely right. Paul, you were going to say something. Uh, yeah, actually, what I was going to say is that how do we deal with this? What do we do about it? Because if we were to completely ignore the spaces and say, okay, well, if you continue to build crap retail, uh, retail establishments, we're not going to go there. We're not going to, uh, we're not going to, um, patronize those businesses well that's exactly what they want us to do they because people are lookers people are curious when they're out and about they're going shopping and the journey is as important as the outcome whatever they went to buy so instead of people going to a, a shopping mall to spend time, to hang out at the food court, to walk around, to look at things, to window shop, to do this, that, and the other thing. If it's an interesting space, they will do that. Otherwise, they will just show up. They'll go to the boring place. They'll go to exactly the store that they were going to go to to get exactly the thing they were going to buy in the first place. And in the end, the one that is that suffers for it is the retailer because there's no possibility of foot traffic causing impulse by customers. So what do you do? You hang around at the house, you watch the programming on the TV, you do your shopping at Amazon or wherever you, wherever you get it. It's delivered right to your door. You're tucked away in your little hobbit and they don't have to deal with you. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly where they want us. So why would they give us anything interesting to patronize or interesting to look at when they don't want us out and about looking at things? It makes it infinitely harder for them to do what they do. I guess you're right. That's the problem. Yeah, you're right. By the way, that um, that property, that, that horrible tower block you were talking about yes. was Trellick House. T-R-E-L-L-I-C-K. That's the one. And it was built. Now, there's an interesting story here. Um, Ian Fleming wrote, you know, 007 books. Yeah. And he named the arch villain Goldfinger after the architect that built that because the architect was called Erno Goldfinger. Was he? And they got a bit upset about it as well because uh, Ian Fleming couldn't stand it. Bloke. So that's why he named it Goldfinger. Yes. Oh, that's I well love known. trivia like that. It's important. That's really good. Yeah. Fleming's a treasure now. It's just gone up in my estimation even more, now, really. But Erno, uh, but, <laughs> well, but Erno Goldfinger, um, he was uh, a communist. He was actual, and he was a, a modernist architectural movement. That's what that is. What it says here, a Hungarian. And oh, and he says strongly influenced 
by Le Corbusier. That bloody frog. My God. <laughs> but oh, no. but oh, they said that he didn't have a sense of humour at all. Well, he couldn't have done a build-up. Crab, no. crappy building like that. No, I've got a little, there's a little comment here in Rumble. Let's just jump over to this because we're down to about, we've got about four minutes left and the music's going to take up a bit. We can talk over that. It says, Resplendent writes, on this topic of defensible space, what does the panel, oh yeah, we're a panel now. I quite like that. Whoa. Thank you for that. What does the panel think about you guys at the panel? I'm the, I'm the, whatever, the adjudicator. What does the panel think about the, free barbed wire fencing given out to farmers all around the country is that an attack on our mentality creating a prison mind i, I don't know what i think about that really i'm, I'm assuming that they probably put bar why did they put barbed wire up to stop us getting in or is it to stop their cattle getting out what do you think bit of both uh well, it's a bit of both the, yeah and look at foot and mouth in 2001 i believe it was yeah uh the government knew about it months before even there was a, an outbreak of it so how do they know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. they have a, a crystal ball or something i actually personally believe and i've got to be careful because we're actually on believe on youtube as well that, no we're not uh, don't no we're not we're not we're not going on there don't worry about it it's okay oh, apart okay, from which, it'll be fine so yeah but uh, yeah, yeah. I'll be, but what i was going to say what i was going to say is i think that was a trial run yeah. for what we've had over the last three years with uh, William's toxic arm brew. I really do, because yeah. you were kept out of the country. And I live in a semi-rural area in Hertfordshire. Right. And I remember it very, very clearly, um, because uh, we did have <laughs> some farms around here at that time, but they've gone now, they've, all, they've been built on. So this is the thing. I actually think that was a trial run, because it was a way of keeping people out of the countryside. And Victorian farmers knew how to deal with foot and mouth. Mm -hmm. So, you know, th this is something that... Uh, there are many aspects to it. Big, it's not yeah. all straightforward, is it? But I think what is straightforward is that we are cursed with uh, really bad buildings, which are uh, a key part of this entire onslaught on on the natural rhythm and way of life that we would like to see expressed. It's, it's removing from individuals their ability to express themselves in the way that they want to. I do miss this distinctive nature of our country. It's tiny, but when you used to move around it, it was very, very different within every 30 or 40 miles. Now, of course, the the, the whole thing is being turned into a sort of an extended prison camp. Hey, we're, we're coming up to the music yes. at the end here. We've got about a minute and a half to go. So if there's anything you want to kind of say towards the end here, speak now or not forever. Eric, we can have you back again in a few weeks or a couple of months' time and we can carry on with this call, but it's great that you stopped by today i really i really like that that's that's fantastic thank you, know? you thank you very much yeah it's really good paul what would you like to say last last words well i would love to uh i would love to um acknowledge that exo uh called us a bunch of anarchists yeah well <laughs> that's Thanks. a badge i wear proudly because <laughs> anarchy is not no rules it's no rulers it is rule by self-governance and that's where we all need to be yeah thank you paul no no it's fine you know when i was in london 
years ago. I used to uh, work opposite the anarchist bookshop. My, did I have fun. I didn't <laughs> consider myself, an, but there was one run by a guy. Yeah, I've got still some of these pamphlets produced by these very strange people in England after the wall. Uh, and they had pictures of no police, no judges, none of this. And it all seemed a bit odd at the time, but it was very interesting. Thanks, everyone, for stopping by. Have a fantastic, happy new year. Here's to 2024. Lots of work to do. I'll be back again next week here on WBN324.zil. Uh, have a good week until then. And uh, I don't know what picture we're going to have next week. And maybe Paul will be back next week. And thank you, Eric, from Fockham Hall Radio. We'll see you all next week. <laughs> Thanks, Paul. <laughs> Thanks a million, that's great.